This Manage Smarter episode is brought to you by SalesFuel's Coach Feed, your AI-powered assistant sales coach. Improve your salespeople with automated regular coaching in just two minutes a day with CoachFeed. For more information, visit CoachFeed.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Our guest today, Lee, he has uh, founded six different companies to over $100 million in lifetime revenue. I don't think we've had many guests on that have done that. I think we call that a serial entrepreneur. Yeah, an <laughs> overachiever. Although maybe he, that's not enough. Maybe he's on the road to $200 million. We'll have to ask Maybe him, he's right? underachieving. We don't know. Let's find <laughs> out. <laughs> Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel. And so our guest today is Don Long, and I got to tell you, over the past 30 years, he has, like I said, six companies, $100 million in revenue. The last company he built went into the top 1,000 companies in the U.S. for that industry vertical. And this is what we want to talk to him about, the author of two books, The Blueprint of God and the international best-selling book, Sell or Don't Eat, which is selling from the soul, as he says. He's also got three courses, and we'll put links in the show notes to these as well, The Blueprint Matrix. Selling from the Soul, and World-Class Business Assessment Tools. So, Don, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I'm glad to be here. So, tell me about this company, before we get started here, yeah. that, that went into the top 1,000. Yeah, so uh, it was uh, one of the businesses that was our core business from about 19, um, the late 80s into the mid-2000s as I dabbled with four or five different other companies uh, and a couple of them, one of them I built in the early 2000s and sold out uh, of that company, which was in the same genre. It was a landscape management business where we had covered most of the state of North Carolina um, and grown it into a, a lot bigger company than I thought we would ever do when we first started the business. But um, basically what happened is, is that uh, one day my uh, uh, office manager came in and brought me a magazine. Um, I was just, a, you know, out doing business and building the company and, and trying to get better every year. And uh, she brought a magazine article in here and showed me the revenues of the top 100 companies in the top, you know, 1%, that sort of thing. And I was like, wow, we're in the top 1,000, you know. So I actually got caught by surprise by one of my staff members hmm. for the information. So it was kind of, kind of a fun day. But, you know, I never really focused on being in the top 1%, obviously we had goals and, and things that we set out for the company for med metrics every year, but I really focused on building people and building systems in the process of both of those and uh, basically people, processes, and product and worked on those three things continually um, every 12 months. One of the things that you like to talk about is identifying major impact areas helping people work on those. What would you say in the COVID business environment we're in right now are some of the impact areas we should be addressing and really looking at closely? You know, I have one impact area um, that I think is, is the beginning uh, one that I usually work with the companies on at a higher level when I'm working with teams mm -hmm. that have vice president level positions uh, across the United States, uh, multiple locations, and it is communication. Um, with COVID being in place, uh, the tendency has been obviously 
there's been more Zoom meetings, there's been less in-person meetings, but I, I can tell you one of the ramifications of that is the teams and the lack of communication uh, actually, when it's actually easier to communicate, we actually avoid it. And so the very first uh, impact area that I usually teach on is communication style, not only to uh, each other within the organization, but how we're communicating to our clients as well and working on those two-step processes of communication and helping people identify hindrances and uh, blockages in their organizations where there's a lack of communication. So what's a couple of good tips that you can give somebody right off the bat or what are the number, the top things that you see routinely with the companies that you consult with? Uh, typically, um, there's the, the two, the, the couple things that I, probably the top thing that I see is that people do not consistently work on the major impact areas of their company. They talk about it, they plan on it, but they actually never do it. And so what I end up doing is I call it pig-headed discipline for the leaders to call them on the mat of working on these things. And how I go about doing that is we identify the top, if you're a large company, you're going to have, and you're the CEO of that company, you're going to have somewhere between 10 and 12 impact areas. Uh, I had 12 that I covered uh, within the organization that I had sold a couple years ago. And um, what we tried to do is work on each individual impact area once a month, over 12 months. It just happened to work out perfectly since we had 12. But if you're a smaller company, you might start out with six or eight. And they might be something like the first two for me were communication. And then the second one was sales. Uh, and then the third one was price cost structures. How are we pricing our products? So those are, those are kind of the top three that we worked on. And what I find with corporations that are like Fortune 500 companies, they have all the systems in place. They have all the things in place, but they actually never do it, which is unfortunate. Uh, and so what I do it, when I work with people is I really try to push them on actually working on the business every month, not just in it. And you get so much um, incremental return over doing that when you do it over the course of 12 months. You, because you create what you call aliveness in your people, right? You said happy people are productive people. Can you expand on that? Yeah, you know, that we had uh, our, our top uh, beliefs within the, the companies that I ran was basically uh, happiness, the pursuit of it, helping people identify their own dreams and desires exclusive from the company, which is hard to do sometimes. And then uh, if you do those two things correctly with an organization and the larger it gets, obviously it gets harder because you have to have leaders at each level that are willing to step into fray and do that. But when you do that, it actually creates a level of being fully alive that most organizations don't have. It becomes an organic a cultural revolution, if you will, because if I can get you, if I come to you as a CEO of a company that says has a thousand people, let's just use that as an example, and you have layers of teams. If I can get you fully alive because I help you identify some of your goals and dreams, and I also give you a process of where you can achieve those within this corporate structure, you're coming to the company every day with skin in the game versus just coming to work for a paycheck. And I'll tell you that if I can get one thing in any organization uh, to shift is people actually being happy when they come to work. Because I can tell you, 
it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Do you want to be around happy people or do you want to be around sad people? You know, it's, it, it's just a difference in day and night of the way an organization runs. So would you say that that's one of the big uh, factors that keeps uh, small companies small and, and, and or takes small companies and allows them to grow into big companies? It is between the two. If you take um, kind of the, my goal with, with, with large, what I consider large leaders at the, at the level of, of the head of the companies, I tend to work on the blueprint matrix with them before I go into business stuff. I tend to work on desire, strengths, gifting, identity, uh, things like that. And I try to drill down on those things before I actually start talking about making money, profit margins, um, you know, whether they're doing well in communication and stuff. I actually work on those things at a higher level. And then we drill down on some of the business stuff. But if you take the two things, if you take the impact areas and you take being fully alive and having happy people coming to work, if you take those two things, those together either cause your company to explode in a good way or they limit your growth indefinitely. Because what I found is that most people work in their businesses, but they hardly ever work on them. And then the second part of that is they don't actually identify the things that make them and their teams. It has to be more, you know, it's, it's like you guys know this, but it has to become more than just about you and your own personal desires mm -hmm. as a leader. It has to become about your team. And if it never becomes about your team, because look, if I have a team, uh, the last company I ran, my close inner circle was five people and my next circle, which was kind of an inner circle, was about 15. So, you know, there was about 20 people that could get to me uh, anytime they wanted to. And if they don't feel alive, if they don't feel like I'm in the game for them as well as me, but it has to be about them first and then me, then you're not going to grow the business. And that goes to the very root of them feeling alive and feeling like they have skin in the game. And then if you do that part well, and they will buy into your systems, they will buy into the impact areas if you get that one right, because when they come, they're engaged. But if you try to teach systems and impact areas without getting the buy-in first, the law of buy-in John Maxwell talks about, which has to do with a connection to your heart of the leader and them being happy. If you don't do that, the other is just, uh, it's just going to be fluff. It's just noise. Let's talk yeah. about the managers because they're the ones that impact, you know, the majority of the people in, in, in the company. It's like, what type of obstacles do you typically see in them that, that, that they have toward their happiness? Because it seems like me, like if they're not happy, the rest of the team's not going to be happy. And, you know, what do you, you know, what do you see with, you know, what would you recommend then to um, top management, if you will, on how to coach their managers to, to be able to achieve this aliveness? They have to get alive first. It's easy to give away what you have. And yeah. uh, if you don't have it, you can't give it away. And so what I do is the, like with my core team, uh, the, the, uh, the, I had two vice presidents and then I had three other people that were not vice presidents, but they could have been in that role, but they were in my top five core team. Inner, they were my inner circle. Their lives meant more to me than, than my own life per se. And so, Anything they wanted, any issue they had, anything that bothered them about the company, and also it went into their personal life, which is a fine line. They'd have to want that. But anything that troubled them, if I could see, you know, you have to learn how to read your people. If I could see things weren't going right, I could see things, you know, if you're around people and they're your inner circle, you should know when things are not right. So some of that goes to the intuitive level of being a leader. But 
when I'd see that, I would try to address it and help if I could. And then when they get it and they are alive, that goes through your whole organization. It's, it's like building a company. It took me years to figure out that organic cultural systems of being alive, being happy, and then buy-in through the systems are all one thing. And it doesn't sound like one thing, but it really is because if I can get the managers, the people that are closest to me, buy-in where they, it's really real to them at a cellular level, all the way through their body, their emotions, their mind, their will, their heart is in the game. If I can get that, then what happens is they can easily give it away to the next tier uh, within the company structure. I had the opportunity when I was uh, young in my career to hear Keith Harrell speak and he, you know, the late Keith Harrell, it's like, and he said, uh, I'll never forget this. He said, a dead battery can't jumpstart a dead battery. <laughs> yep. That's exactly right. That's a good analogy. That's a good analogy. So if you, at the end of the day, if you take the battery analogy and you know, if it's fully juiced and fully alive, uh, you know, it's like, Hey, uh, it's easy to give that away. Yeah, but the batteries sometimes run a little low for all of us. So it's like we have to take time out to recharge that battery. That's exactly right. You know, that, that's a good point. I'll, I'll hit that point because, look, every day is not a good day. And I, my team that was closest to me, we had this rule. We actually had a set of Nerf guns. Y'all know what Nerf guns? Nah, yeah. I love the Nerf guns, right? yeah. So we had the Nerf guns in every one of our offices uh, in, in the, the, the main team that had offices in, at the corporate uh, office. And so what we would do was on, if we're having a bad day or something's not going right, we were, we were given the right to shoot people with the Nerf guns, just go in their office and start shooting the gun. And it just broke the tension. And so we did fun things like that to try to break patterns because look, there's a, you guys know this, y'all been in business for a while. There's life is full of mundane Mondays and there's very few magical Fridays in business because most of the time you spent into the valleys of life and the mountaintop experiences are few and far between. And so you have to be able to be in for the long haul in the valleys of growth in order to experience the mountaintop. So what we did is we told people, Hey, if you have a bad day, it's all good. Even if you have a bad week, if it goes past a week, then you need to come see me or see somebody on our staff mm -hmm. and see if we can get it fixed. But we let people have, I told them, look, when you're having a bad day or a bad week, try to stay away from our clients <laughs> and try to stay isolated <laughs> as much as advice. possible with your job. <laughs> because it's like, you don't need to be talking to clients if you're really having a bad day. Like, you know, people say, well, you don't bring your personal life to work. It's impossible. Impossible. To, yeah. You know, and so we tried to build um, what I would call release valves in the within the company so people could release that pressure and the things they were dealing with some of it's though, still a mindset though it's like you know you, you, you know, it's like don't tell me you're having a bad day when it's not even lunchtime yet it's like there's a whole <laughs> other half of the day <laughs> yeah but i got up at 3 30. no <laughs> <laughs> well you're having lunch at eight in the morning apparently can you address that though in a COVID environment i mean so you don't bring your personal life well my home is now my office so and then people some are yet quite depressed you know just because we can't go anywhere or do anything if we're following the rules and so i don't know maybe if you have advice beyond obviously hoping you provide an EAP program for your folks. Um, that's, it's hard. It's hard to sometimes cope and not, and still have that aliveness. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah. So one of the things that I do with people is I'm a big believer in working on what you can. So mm -hmm. um, 
when you're when you're shut down, so to speak, like we have been with the COVID, and and you really are limited to interaction and what you can actually go out and do. There are still things that you can do. When it, this first happened, what I did with the with a few of the uh, people that I w- was working with one on one is I started talking to them to reassess their goals, to reassess what in life makes them happy, what turns them on, fires them up, make a new list, get your journal. I'm a big believer in journals. Get your journal out and start looking at life, even though you are limited to physical actions and things you can do, you are not limited within your spirit. There's no limitation within your spirit and there's no limitation within your mindset. And so what I would do is there's the seven things that I work on the blue matrix. I'll hit a couple of those. I I would start talking to people about um, their interest in work and what's beautiful to them. The sixth step in, in my process is finding out what's beautiful to you. Well, when you're in a depressed state and a, and a shutdown, like we've been in, it's a great time to ask that question. What turns me on? What lights me up? What makes me laugh? What makes me feel alive in my life now at my house when I can't even go to work? Don't compare it to the model before. And then when you do that, it actually sets up, you know, it's like um, interrupting patterns, interrupting patterns of unbelief or interrupting patterns of depression or interrupting patterns of I can't do this or I can't do that. As Lee was saying, it's a mindset. And so you have to figure out the things that you can actually be grateful for and thankful for right now. Yeah. Because the gratefulness is, is really important right now, Don. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm with you hundred percent on that because look, it's easy, you know, to, to, to wallow in all the negative things that are going on, whether it be a, an election or whether it be a protest or civil unrest or the progress we haven't made as a society you know, that we thought we had made and it's like, or the economy. And it's like, it's easy, traffic. It's easy to find that. It's like, but we have to take a moment to really stop and look at and and be truly grateful for what we have, our families, our houses, our relationships, our friends, our jobs. I mean, whether it could be the car you drive. I mean, it could be the, the shoes you're wearing that you really like. I mean, it could be anything. It's, there's always something to celebrate. Most people do not realize this. But the poorest people, the poorest people under poverty line in the United Mm -hmm. States of America are richer than 90% of the rest of the world. You know, and I believe that's true. I grew up in rural West Virginia, and it's like some of the happiest, friendliest people you want to meet. Hey, it's like, what can you be happy about? It's like, hey, getting fully alive sometimes means grabbing yourself by your pants and just going outside. This sounds crazy, but just go out and run until you're out of breath and just start screaming, I'm fully alive. Let me tell you something. You'll feel different. You might look like a freak in front of your neighbors, but you'll feel (laughs) different when you get done. See, so much of interrupting your pattern and and changing the way you think has to do with your physical, physical movement. If you move physically different, I'm sitting here, you can't see me, but to get up for, you know, a a talk like this and and talk to you guys, I'm moving, I'm moving around. I'm, I'm, which I'm an active person anyways, but your body language produces a feeling inside of your body. The body language studies prove this. And so there's always being shut down at your house. There's always something you can do. Like when I get off this talk, I can go outside and run. I can go outside and breathe the fresh air. And it's kind of cool in North Carolina right now. So it's nice, Nice. you know, and you can start celebrating that you can breathe. There are people who can't breathe air because of COPD and their lungs mm-hmm. not working well. So there's always things we can celebrate. I love it. The website, donwlong.com, and you're Don W. Long on LinkedIn. What's the W for? 
Uh, it's Wesley. Oh, that's name. nice. Yeah. That's an excellent middle name. I love it. And then you've got the courses, Selling from the Soul and the Blueprints of God, and your two books, Sell or Donate and the Blueprint of God. All great tips, Don. Thanks for uh, shedding some light into COVID-19 for our listeners. I think these are great tips. Yeah, love it. And been enjoyed being here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.